Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Praise Him. Thank you guys for working so hard to welcome us into worship. Um, summer's getting away from us, isn't it? It's just slipping by. Uh, the tears are started at my house, uh, both for my children and the fact that I have to get up earlier during the school year as well and fix lunches. We're both, uh, we're both taking it easy for the next couple of weeks and, and uh, hoping it goes well. We're, we're, we're grasping on to the last few days of summer. Um, I hope you've had a chance to get away, get some rest, go on vacation. Um, on social media, some of you do a great job of celebrating some time that you've got off. Some of you are secretive about it. We wonder what y'all are doing. We know you're gone, but you're not posting about it, so we can't, we can't stalk you in the conventional way, so we don't know what's up. Um, but hopefully you've got a chance to get some rest, and uh, if, you, if you haven't, hopefully you have some coming up. I'm um, getting ready to start a series today uh, that um, if you don't like it, Great news. I'm not going to be here next week. Dale's going to be preaching, so it'll be easy for you. If you don't like what goes on today, you can like, you know what, we get a week off before he comes back. But uh, we're going to be starting a series today that I, that I hope will take us um, in, a, in a great direction. Um, this series is, is called Cloudy with a Chance. Um, many times in life, uh, we go through seasons in life that are a little bit cloudier than others. Uh, sometimes we may describe the clouds um, as, as dark and, and low and all-consuming and thundering and, and really, really creating some, some chaos. Uh, sometimes it's just something that is there for a short season, um, and it passes. Um, we've got a couple of goals with this series that we're going to go through. One, um, all of us, I have found, all of us have people in our lives that we love and we care for, um, and they are around us, and we, we sense that they are um, in a season or in a place or maybe in a long, long season. Um, or in a place that they've been in for a while, where uh, we have an opportunity to do something in their lives. And some of us um, handle that wonderfully, and some of us get a little bit nervous, a little bit awkward, and, and we don't really know what to say all the time. Uh, and sometimes we, we feel bad because we really want the best for somebody, but we just don't quite understand maybe why they have it broken out of what they seem to be in the middle of. And we have a great gospel-centered opportunity to love people and to minister well into their lives. That's one of our goals, is to be able to do that in a better way, to really stick to it. Uh, the other goal is for those of us, and when I say those of us, I include myself in this number, those of us who struggle at times, um, whether you call yours depression, anxiety, um, a, a rough patch, a, a rough season in life, maybe you call it low self-esteem, maybe, maybe you've got your name for it, um, but whatever your name is, it, it is this thing that um, maybe you don't know that you believe you can ever quite have control over it. Uh, maybe you don't believe that you can fully climb out of it, or, or as we say sometimes, dig our way out of it. Um, that, that you have some encouragement, um, that you have some specifics, some to-dos, because that's what we want to kind of aim at as we wrap up each of these weeks is our to-dos for ourselves and for others. Um, because I, I will say this to you, there's um, probably in the last year of my life, I've learned more from the truth of God's Word about um, what the joy He wants to give us really means. Um, I've learned more about um, my own issues in my own mind than I ever have, but at the same time as having a year of probably more learning and, and knowing more, 
Um, I've also probably had a year, if, if I'm really evaluated honestly, where maybe I've, I probably would say that I've struggled more than I ever have. Um, and, and it's interesting, right? When we, when we learn in life, um, that, that would seem that we would just learn, apply, get over. But many times we know much of what we need to know, but that doesn't necessarily come along with um, the freedom that we, that we want to live in. So as we go into this, um, I, I really my prayer is, as God's put this um, really heavy on my heart, is that this gives um, you some um, direction, some truth out of God's Word to shine light into some dark places, but also to give you some, um, some tools in your belt as you talk with people um, that you have an opportunity uh, to encourage. This week, we're going to kind of use this week to get our minds going in a direction that I really believe is necessary, that'll be helpful as we make this journey together. Um, next week, uh, or not next week, Dale's going to be preaching next week, but the week after that when I come back, um, we're going to be talking about um, the joy of the Lord, um, which um, I, it, it's talked about a lot in Scripture, that, that there's this joy that he has, this joy that he gives, um, but uh, I really misunderstood it for the vast majority of my life. I, I know that now. Um, so I'm really excited about coming back and, and, and preaching on that. Um, today, like I said, we're going to kind of set our minds and, and get our minds going on a course um, of, of what we can really learn together um, out of God's Word. Um, some of this may not sound like joy talk. It may not sound like uh, counseling stories when we go through some of the stuff today. Um, but I really believe that God will, God will line this stuff up in your minds and your understanding um, as, as we dig into His Word. We're going to be several places. Um, this may be a good week. I, I kind of aired this week of putting a lot of references on the screen because sometimes when you just you need to know that you got a quick reference point, a verse that's, that's near you. Um, so this may be a good week. Um, I had a lot of people in the first service just simply just take a picture of the screen. Um, I didn't pick the best color scheme in the world for some of this. It's kind of a white on a light blue, so I apologize for some of the stuff that won't read quite as well. Um, but um, if, you, if you need this stuff in a, in a darker font, we have computers that know how to do that stuff. Okay, so we'll, we can send you all that stuff, all that kind of stuff. Um, the first thing that we're going to look at this morning um, as we jump into this um, is going to be the difference between a couple of words, and we use these words when it comes to really kind of ironing out our theological issues, um, but, but when we confuse these two words, it really presents um, a joy killer, and, and through these weeks that we're going to be in this series, we're going to call out some specific things as joy killers and identify them and look at them for why they are joy killers so that we can, we, we can, we can defeat some of those things in our lives. As we go through this, um, you'll probably feel at times during this series where it just kind of feels like we just stopped. And really, it's, it's probably one really long, long sermon that neither you or I don't probably have, don't have the energy to preach it, and you probably don't have the patience to sit through it. Um, so we're going to break this thing up as it kind of flows through from week to week. So I appreciate you coming in um, with really an open heart to, to, to hear and to listen um, and, and, to, and to go through some of this stuff. And, and please realize when, when I preach this to you, um, there, are, there are in many ways, um, I preach this from uh, the standpoint of really learning it and need to own it in my own life, uh, but also feeling um, a, a little bit hypocritical when I do preach some of these points. Uh, because I, I, I can stare at my notes and I can stare at the Word and I can realize very easily the ones that I don't live in quite as well as what I need to as I continue to grow too. So we're excited about growing together. Justification is the first word. Now justification is to declare just, not to make just. And that's a really important understanding between those two different ideas in the Word of God. Um, in, in Luke chapter 7, we see an example where people are using this word and this meaning towards God. Um, and, and so it helps us 
looking at that to understand the perspective that God uses when he's talking about justification with us spiritually just belonging to him, just being saved. In Luke 7, um, John the Baptist had been preaching. And he's preaching hard and heavy, repentance, repentance, repentance. He's baptizing people. And there's a lot of people that are listening to his preaching message, which was the message that God had put on his heart. And as they listened to this message, they really began to grow. They really began to understand some things. And and in response to it, um, in the RSVP, it specifically says that they justified God. Um, In the CSB, which is what I typically preach out of on a week-to-week basis, It says in there that they acknowledge God's ways of righteousness. In other words, when when justification is talked about, it's this declaring. Uh, You can can really wrap your brain around, hopefully pretty easy. These people that that are at a church service in the wilderness, as they hear God's word, they're like, yes, you're true. They don't make God true because they proclaim it. They just declare it. They're saying that they are in agreement to it. And this is a really big thing to understand because we are spoken of in that sense when it comes to our relationship with God. It says that we're justified. And and it happens in two specific things that Jesus does. Jesus became the substitute punishment of our sin and the substitute performer of our righteousness. Now, I, I went to high school at Eastern Guilford in the great decade of the 1990s. It's a wonderful time frame. And we were in a small environment um, out in Gibsonville, and we were far enough removed from civilization to where we didn't get substitute teachers from the general population of Greensboro. Um, We got two kinds of substitutes. We got the ones that nobody was hiring for anything, um, and we got the ones that were people's moms that just wanted to work a little bit and kind of know what their kids were up to. Um, When it was the ones that didn't know anything, Quite honestly, we were extremely happy uh, because we spent most of the time just roaming the hallways and doing things that we shouldn't have done. Uh, When we got somebody's mom, we were happy because we still weren't going to do all the normal workload. You weren't going to learn anything new. But the problem was these women knew your mother too. And they had her phone number. Not in their phone because no one had a phone. They just knew the number, right? And they could dial it with buttons or rotary dials, and you suffered the consequences when you got home. But either way, we were excited because it was a substitute. It wasn't the normal teacher. It wasn't as hard. Uh, In my last church, there was a lady who unfortunately uh, made a lot of baked goods for different church socials, Um, but this woman discovered these things called sugar substitutes, uh, which basically means she ruined whatever she made. Um, and, and she would bring it to you, and she would say, you, you, you know what that taste is? And I'm like, I don't think you want me to say what this taste is. And, and, and her response would be, that, that's sugar substitute. Why? I, I, I am on a path not towards healthiness. I, I, I want a path of joy towards obesity. I want to go to the dessert table, and I want to I have fun with what I'm doing. Get behind me, Satan. I don't need your sugar, your sugar substitute, right? Like it's, 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 just, it's a substitute. It's not as good. It's not the full version. Please understand, when, when Jesus is referred to as a substitute, it simply means in my place. does not mean lesser. It does not mean the consequences changed. It does not mean the rules changed, the truth of God's word changed. 
Substitute simply means in my place. Why is that so important? Because when he was my substitute of payment, that means everything that I see in the cross, everything I see in his crucifixion, I deserve. I deserve all of it. He just simply did it in my place. When he was my substitute of righteousness, it it means that the life that Jesus lived is the life that I should live for God because he's holy. But I'm not, and I sin, and I screw up. But Jesus lived his life holy so he could pay for sin at one time. He substituted in for me on both parts. Therefore, because of that, because of that, I can be justified in Christ. Now, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think of it like this. Think, consider, remember, consider the moment that you came into the kingdom of God through salvation in Jesus like a courtroom situation. You remember watching the OJ trial? All right, so OJ gets declared not guilty by a judge. And you've got a certain population that is excited they don't feel like he did it. They're for him. They're, 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 they're backing him. Then you've got another group of people that even when it said not guilty, they already had their arms crossed and they're going, no, nah, I believe he did that. And, and when he left the courtroom, he left the courtroom declared not guilty. But if you ever follow that trial, the really interesting thing to me is not so much the trial, but what happened afterwards. When you would see him in the news, would you, you would see him places socially. This was a man who was declared not guilty, but he was trying to figure out how to live in society when a lot of people around him assumed his guilt. It, it, it doesn't seem quite so clear, right? Because we would say it like this. Well, that's because you really don't know if he did it or he didn't. And you could probably argue that. But consider the court case that I stood in. And maybe you know that you stood in when it, came, when it comes to coming into the kingdom of God. I stood there totally guilty. It wasn't a glove that didn't fit. It wasn't an alibi that I had to try to figure out. Total guilt. Like the presentation didn't even have to be flawless. It didn't even have to be complete. There was enough wrong that I had done that was just unacceptable by God that it was just simply... A guilty verdict. Yet God in this this insane moment stops to give one comment, one opportunity to, to a defense attorney named Jesus. My advocate, my counselor, my person that is standing there on my behalf. Jesus never denied that I had done wrong. He never denied my guilt. He just simply said, that I did it right and I paid his payment. And his payment was the full measure of what he owed. And at that statement, he didn't even try to argue it. God, in response, found it so acceptable that he could be satisfied, not just with Jesus, but he could be at peace with me. And God says, not guilty. Free. So I go into my life. You start your daily routine. John Piper calls it gutsy guilt. Figuring out how to live in this world, live in this life, knowing that Jesus has said not guilty, but realizing that I am. And that I still screw up. 
It's a tough thing. Many times, as people, as Christians, um, our dark seasons, our depression, our anxiety has some sin struggle attached to it. And it can't be ignored. It must be dealt with. It's not always the case, but it is many times for us. Sometimes for me, it just simply shows up in pride. I just want to be stubborn enough to shut myself off and feel the way I feel that I do it. You know what I've done when I do that? I've made myself Lord. And that's a sin. And until I confess that as part of me walking closer with Christ, I I don't come out of that well. I don't. But that's the declaration that God has made over you if you belong to Him, if you're saved. Now, within that, listen to this. This is Romans 8, 33 through 35. This is really the heart of how God wants us to start seeing ourselves. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Even even the joy we lack, even the depression we wrestle with, even the anxiety that, that suffocates us, can never separate us from the love of God. Say, hang on a second. When when I'm there, I feel the farthest thing from love that I ever feel. Okay, listen. And and, and I don't say, listen, please don't hear me this morning like I'm trying to tell you how to feel. I'm I'm the the patient that's up on stage myself. I'm, I'm trying to anchor myself in the truth of God right now. It says in this passage... That God, God justified me. He declared me innocent. And He declared me innocent because Jesus went and paid the price for me. He says, okay, so if, if I've done that, who else gets to speak? He's not saying that I don't listen to other voices in my life. He's simply saying, as your your Father God, here's my heart for you. Here's what I want you to walk in. Here's what I want you to live in. And, and And the love of God exists in that that was done. It doesn't mean I always feel loved. It doesn't mean I always feel like I have enough love to to show other people. But it's saying that the reality is that that itself is love. And love is continuing. What is love doing now? Jesus is sitting there at the right hand of God. If God is here, Jesus is here, leaned in going, hey, um, whatever this person is dealing with, I need to talk to you about this too. He's interceding for us. He's right there active in His love for us. We can't be separated from that because that's who God says we are. But there's a very different thing in feeling like that. See, there's this confusion that we have sometimes between justification and then what sanctification is. When we confuse the two, it gets very dangerous. Sanctification is the progress, it's the progressive change into the image of Jesus that we make in life. This is is the growth stage that we go through. Sanctification is becoming what you are. It's our life matching our standing in Christ. When we confuse justification and sanctification... It it is itself a joy killer. See, here's how we confuse it. We say, okay, I'm saved. I'm saved. That that if this is who God says I am, then then just this is who I am. 
um, and, and, and I'm in a relationship with him, and I guess that's just enough to know. That's enough to begin. That's enough to begin. It's the, the faithful growing with him that we move towards God, that we grow in his truth, that his truth shines light over the, in the dark places of our lives. If, if we simply get saved, if we commit our life to Christ and stay there, then we will struggle. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I don't remember exactly the context that, that I, was, I was preaching it in, but, but I do remember that we were talking about um, as, as Jesus' disciples were, were wanting to cast a demon out of someone, that they couldn't do it. And Jesus comes back later and tells them, you weren't able to do this because this kind of demon is only cast out through prayer, through d- devoted, committed prayer. See, they didn't know that yet. They hadn't grown in that. They basically said, hey, listen, we did it one time, so we must be able to do it every time. So they just kept going. And they stop growing. And, and, and we have to anchor ourselves into this idea that we all do, yes, as the Bible says, there is one salvation, one Holy Spirit, one baptism into the faith. But we are many kinds of people. There are people out there who have what I call um, obnoxious and, or disgusting um, happiness. You know what these people look like? The people that just come up to you and say, you know what? Nothing could wipe this smile off my face. Well, depending on what day, I'd get like I get a good chance at smacking you. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just being honest, right? It's, just, it's like this thing where you're like, hey, you can really be happy this much? And then there's some of us, and, and at times it's me, that it's just this consistent and, and this chosen sadness and isolation. And, and that is the path that we go down. And, and sometimes it doesn't even feel like it's our choice. It's feel like it's the only thing that was the option at that moment. And really what God is calling us to is to, is, is to grow to the place to where we realize what's been declared on the outside of us. And then we embrace, okay, now that that's been declared, it's an unchanging verdict. Now, God, I need help learning to live free because there's these assumptions that others have. And then I'm wondering what others are thinking as I've walked out of the courtroom to try to continue my life. If you want to experience your identity in Christ, we, we must practice it. We have to practice our identity in Christ. Um, I, I want to read this passage to you, John 15, uh, verses 9 through 11. This is coming out of Jesus' teaching about um, Him being the vine and us being the branches connected to Him for every resource that we need in life. Um, I, I read this a, a, a few weeks ago, but we didn't go into the end of it. This is the end of it. Verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. There's a couple points that I want to make here, and one of them is on the screen. Um, and, and, and it is this, that, that joy is a gift to receive. It's a gift to receive. How do we know that it's a gift to receive? Second thing, when you read that passage of Scripture, I, I read that so many times and said, okay, I need, I need to figure out how to obey God so I remain in His love, almost kind of like I'm this, this bad kid walking around, and when I do wrong, that I'm just outside the love of God. That's not what that passage is saying. But as I read that, as I read that passage through over and over and over again over the years, there, there was one really key thing that I missed, 
And, and, and only in this past year did, did I really hear it for what it said. Because sometimes we have to go to the place to where when Jesus just says what's true, we hear it and then all of a sudden are able to accept it. You notice he says that, that he wants to put his joy in us so that our joy will be complete because he says our joy isn't complete. And I needed to hear that. You know why? Because many of us are pursuing our joy and our happiness assuming that we can figure it out ourselves. Some of us are, are so frustrated that we can't seem to figure it out that we assume that there's something about us that's more wrong than it is somebody else who always seems to be happy. I've said this out loud to other people with ears. I mean, it's embarrassing that I've said this out loud, but I have made the statement that I don't believe that I can be happy. And for some of you, you're like, man, how in the world can you say that? And for some of you, you were like, yeah. And, and even when I was saying it, I knew I was wrong. You know, it says, we're, we're told in Scripture that the, that the tongue has the power of life and death. I was speaking death over my own life. And I knew it. But in one sense, I was somewhere between being convinced of it and just being so ready to give up that I was ready to accept it. And neither one of them were a good place to be. Not for me, but certainly not as a child of God. So when you see yourself and you say, you know what, there's just something that's always been missing in my joy. Okay. You're in agreement with Jesus. He agrees with you. He agrees that the reason that you haven't figured out exactly how to be happy, how the person in your life that you want to love better and you, you're, you're so concerned about, that you, he's saying there is a reason. It's because your joy isn't going to complete itself. It's not going to be all neat and wrapped up just on your own. And that's okay. Because... It can't, the truth is, it can be completed. See, one's not true unless both are true. That's the way God's word works. It's aggravating, isn't it? Because wouldn't it be easy just to go, that's it. That's what I needed to hear. I just needed to hear that I can never be happy. That's, just, that's what I needed to hear to just accept my life for what it is. I've thought that before. But one can't be true if the other's not true. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie um, Titanic. You've seen the movie Titanic? It's one of several movies that never get playtime in my house. Um, I've got three boys. Um, Titanic, uh, The Notebook. Uh, there's several movies that are just on the do not watch list. Um, my, my kids have declared them. You know, they don't ever want to see them played. It's all the romance, the kissing, the tragedy. They're not in for it. They like the boat blowing up, but that's about it. Um, in fact, this summer we've, uh, we've been watching all but a few because of some of the content that's in it. We've been watching the Marvel movies in a chronological order. And one thing that has come out is um, my middle son, who's uh, newly 12, um, he really stands up to this idea that they should never ruin a good action movie with a horrible kissing scene. Uh, in fact, when you see the romantic mood starting to be set, sometimes he'll even just wear, I noticed he started wearing a hat when we watch a movie, and he just starts pulling it down. He's shaking his head like this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. 
one of the Avenger movies, um, I don't remember which one it was, but um, Captain America was um, kissing uh, the niece of the woman that he had been in love with. I don't know if you've seen these movies, which I, I was a little bit torn about. Like, like what level of cheating is that? I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of complexity in these things. So um, it, when it got to that mo- point, and this is a really, I mean, this is an action-packed movie. You just hear the cry. It's like the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Like, oh, yeah, why do they have to ruin the movie? And it's just this, like, moment of disgust. So now I think it's just going to become the, the method of punishment in the future for my sons. Just now, you know, you've disobeyed. You have to watch The Notebook. You have to watch Titanic. Just deal with it. But when you're watching that movie, whether you just know the, the history of Titanic or you, or you do watch the movie, um, when the ship is sinking, when they're starting to load people in boats, the um, chaos of the moment clearly is winning. As water's flooding in, as people's bodies are feeling the temperature of this shocking low water temperature, I mean, it's just freezing cold. As they're feeling this for the first time, they're, they're just going into panic mode. Um, they're, they're going straight into self-preservation. They're, they're pulling people back so they can jump on a life raft. And we know statistically by the information we see of this boat that there were limited number of boats and, and rafts and everything. And we can, we can kind of see where this is just a chaotic moment. But you realize there's also a truth, a great truth going on at the same time that just couldn't be conceived. Because even at the moment that they were loading these lifeboats, already there were other ships that were on the way. Now, you could have told somebody about it at the time, but it probably didn't sound real reassuring, right? And not just that, but there were life jackets to be had that would keep at least your head above water. There there were some things going on. Lives were being saved. And and if there was a way in some sense to take any of those panicked individuals and pull them out of the moment of chaos and say, listen, let let me just just help you hear this message. Um, Help is on its way. You can survive this next number um, of minutes and hours or whatever it's going to be for you. You can physically survive it. And if you survive it, if you just listen and process what's going on, it will not be comfortable, but on the other side of it, you will hear this horn that will sound through the night. It will cut through the air, and it it will be a boat that is there to save you. There will be a blanket that will be warm and it will be wrapped around you. And, and all the things that you wanted to feel lying in bed at night, you will feel on, a, on this other boat. It won't look the same, but it will be a salvation grace moment. If anyone could have separated themselves and heard that message, then that scene, you know what happens? It gets totally organized. It gets totally polite. Why? Because if they were able to, they would be able to rest and rely and act on the greater truth that was underlying, that was happening, that was sure. It was hope. But we would have done the same thing. We would have lost our minds. Why? Because the chaos tends to win the day. And for me personally, when, when, when a dark cloud is looming, when it's either just a short season of life, it's just... It's an event, it's a relationship, or whether it's something deeper-seated and it's, it's just something that's been in you and, 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 a, and part of your life for a long time. God is working us towards the underlying greater truth. And it takes effort. 
It, it, it means going against the, 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 the direction that chaos seems to be pointing you. It's go, it, it takes going against the way that our feelings seem to be wanting to pull us. But it's taking us to the hope and to the joy that He is working. It does, though, take a lot of effort to listen during some of those times. Um, Paul is, is one of our heroes of the faith. And for Paul, um, we see a lot of great spiritual victories in his life, but Paul clearly communicated along the way that he was also becoming what he was. Um, many times when Paul writes, he talks about, um, I have learned in any situation in life to be content. That means that that was a lesson that had come into his heart that was not always there. There were times where he, he had to wrestle with not being content and, and learning to be satisfied with where God had him. There's a great learning process. There's a few passages in Philippians and in Romans specifically that talk about um, how Paul understood to renew his mind, how he understood um, one thing as he communicated it in the moment, but it, but it shows evidence that, that life wasn't always like that. He wrote this to Timothy. The second time we have recorded that he wrote to Timothy, um, one of the young men that he mentored in ministry, he, he wrote this in chapter 1, the first, verse, the first chapter of the, the second letter we have. Verse 6, Therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Um, Paul, as his spiritual dad, had laid hands on him when, when he got the call to ministry. They prayed that and they spoke wisdom and spoke grace over him. And he, he said, I want you to rekindle the joy of that because like any job, Timothy found out the reality of functioning world doesn't live up to the dreams that are in our heart. And, and, and that kills our joy. So as, as, as Timothy was wrestling with that, Paul says, For God has not given us a, the spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And, and, and on some level, I wonder, like, what was going on the day that Timothy got that letter? Because depending on the day, I can see Timothy reading that letter, and even though it comes from somebody that he loves and trusts, I can see Timothy reading it going, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I have power. I don't feel the love that's inside of me. I don't feel sound judgment. I don't, I don't feel like I'm making good decisions. I'm being second-guessed by everybody on the outside, and I'm second-guessing myself on the inside. And he felt in some ways miserable. He may have received that really well. But notice something. If Timothy voiced that concern, I'm not going to stand here today and argue with Timothy. You know why? Because many times we misunderstand that word and, and we think that that verse tells us that that's what our spirit is. No, no, no. That's what God's spirit is that he's put in us, in our salvation. Derek doesn't always have that spirit. That's why I'm called to follow where God's spirit leads me. Because God's spirit will lead me to braver places than I'll walk. He'll lead me into conversations that I'd never have. He'll lead me towards forgiveness when I would only want to hold grudges. He'll lead me towards truth that I don't want to even own up to for my own self. A Puritan pastor, Richard Saab, said this, Though we have not always the joy of the Spirit, yet we always have the Spirit of joy. Our experience of the Spirit's joy does not define our assurance of the Spirit's presence. 
So listen, if you're somebody who inside your mind or inside your heart, you go, you know what? I don't know if I have any of this joy that I'm supposed to have. I don't know if I have any of this joy that I see in other people's lives. I don't know that it's possible for me. Or or you're thinking of someone else right now that you love and you care for a lot and you want to pour into them. And and you think, I don't know that they realize this. Please consider a couple things. Number one, Jesus' own words. When he says that your joy can be made complete, it, it does mean that we won't find complete joy on our own, but it means that inside of us, just in our creation, he has put the seed of desire for joy in the Lord in us. And the Spirit of the Lord that is in us has that joy. He has that power. He has that love. And it doesn't mean that you're less of something because you don't feel it or sense it when you see or you think that other people do. If you feel like there's something just wrong with you, there's something more wrong with you compared to others, that's not where God wants you to live. Remember what we read out of Romans. He wants to stand up and say, who gets to say that to you? And he even means my own voice. So what do we do? For ourselves, for ourselves, we're called to not deny, ignore, or accept the cloud that hangs over us. In other words, don't deny it. Don't say that it's, that, that it's not really a big deal when it is a big deal. God's Word calls us to shine the light of truth into darkness. So no matter what the area of darkness is for you or someone else, it needs His Word shown into it. So don't deny it. Don't ignore it. What happens when we ignore problems? What do they do? They get bigger. We don't ignore it. If we ignore it, it will just simply mount up. Don't accept it. Don't form the core belief in your soul that this is just the best it can be because it's you or it's me. Seek the wisdom of God through the Word and the Spirit to see clearly the difference between the physical effects and the spiritual battle. Uh, Many times this is where um, I have a conversation with people over um, medications, antidepressants. Because it really is a big question mark for some folks. Because basically we got access to these medicines in the 1950s. And we look at the, we look at the course of humanity and go, well, how did people make it in times before this? Now, there's a lot of points in history to where you know where I, where, what I believe one of, the, one of the biggest differences is? Historically, the church has been there for itself. People being there for people to a degree that we don't always. And when we give in to these dark clouds, if you do what I do, I just shut it down. I don't, I just, I don't get as close to people. I shut people out. So a lot of us wrestle over this, you know, what do we do with this kind of thing? And it's important that we know the difference between the physical and the spiritual because um, in the Word of God, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, listen, you know, take some, uh, take some red wine for the stomach issue that you've got. In other words, take something that will treat the physical symptoms. But then he poured in to the spiritual truth that they needed to grow in. Medication to treat physical symptoms? There's nothing wrong with that. 
But if I look towards a medication and I say, that will give me joy, well, then I'm relying on that to give me something that the Lord wants to give me. So if you're hearing me this morning saying, well, I think he's saying don't take medicine. That's not what I'm saying. Or if you're hearing me say, well, he's telling me to go take it now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, allow God's Word and and the resources of the kingdom to help you see the difference between the physical and the spiritual. Allow God access to the battles that He's there to fight. Use the resources of this earth that He created to do the other work. Renew your mind in the truth of God's Word daily. The Holy Spirit needs that to work with. Um, That helps us to do something. It helps us to identify fact versus feeling. Because when we ride the wave and the momentum of feeling, we end up places that are far beyond where fact would have ever taken us. And we need to anchor into what is the truth of God's Word. Because when we go into feeling, then we're in a lot more dangerous territory to really make sound decisions. What do we do for others? Pray in intercession. Uh, if, If you've ever noticed this about yourself or about other people, we say that we are crying out to God, but many times when we are giving in to, a, to, to depression, to anxiety, uh, to grief, to sorrow, to sadness, to being melancholy, when we, are, when we are giving in to that, we often don't go to the Lord truly for ourselves over what's going on. When you know someone is in that state, pray for them constantly. Just continue to go to the Lord for them. Don't give up. I, I get it's tough. Um, I, I, I understand what people in my life that I've loved and I've cared for that have dealt with things like this and just had that dark cloud over them, I I understand how sometimes you you can almost develop um, frustration that you don't want to develop. I see it in the faces of people that I know when they deal with me, I frustrate them. Don't give up. Share your life story. The Bible's very clear. Um, God tells us that He brings us through uh, certain things in our lives so we can then take those and share those and pour those into other people's lives, be obedient to Scripture that way. And consider joy. Consider the joy that someone could have. The harvest that you will see, consider today as the seed that you can plant and look at tomorrow as your opportunity to water that seed with encouragement. That's what we can do for ourselves and for others. Now, when it comes to, when it comes to this thing of this joy killer that we looked at today, confusing justification, what God has said about me with sanctification, the, the work he's doing on the inside, the decisions I can make, the things that I can look at doing. Um, I, I forgot to write down which um, author wrote this. I, I've, I've been reading a lot of things lately, and I apologize for not being able to um, cite exactly who did this. Clearly, it's worded so well, you'll know it's not me. Um, but I want to read this to you just to kind of put in your mind um, where God's heart is for us to take these steps in our lives. Um, the secret of rugged joy in the battle with sin, is to fight to become what we are in Christ. We have already died with Christ, Romans 6, 5, and 6. Therefore, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, Romans 6, 4. You have already been made alive together with Christ, Ephesians 2, 5. Therefore, seek the things that are above, Colossians 3, 1. You are already holy in Christ, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, be holy in all your conduct, 1 Peter 1.15. You already are the light of the world in Christ, Matthew 5.14. Therefore, let your light shine, Matthew 5.16. 
For us, when we see and sense these darker places in our lives, it's not for us to give in and give up. We are called as believers to fight for joy. We're going to talk in a couple of weeks about the joy of the Lord, this joy that really exists, this joy that can be received, and He wants to give us. And, and, and there are some really growing up steps in seeing that because uh, the, the, the young perspective is, is, I want it now, i got to have it right now. I want a lot of it, more than I ever could use, so it would just be as the best possible. Then there's also this growing up process where we, we, we understand that there is a time to receive every gift that comes into our life. So we really want to talk through some of these things. My, my heart that has been heavy over this um, is, is, is because of many things, I believe. One is because I genuinely see in my own life what it's been like to grow in the truth but struggle in the application. And I believe that in our church family, there surely has to be people that will be struggling maybe just with a small season of darkness or a consistent thing that's been over the course of your life. And you're tired of it. I believe that we all know people that need encouragement. And honestly, we probably struggle living that out. And the church has always been built to take care of the church. People, take caring, people taking care of people. Uh, we're going to end this service a little bit differently today. I'm going to pray in just a second. The praise team is going to be coming back up. Uh, we're going to take up our offering uh, but the way that we're going to conclude this service is, is we're going to we're going to sing. Um, is there? I heard him practicing this morning. I thought it'd be, it's going to be it would be just a great morning to sing this song. It's a song called Chainbreaker. It's been on Christian radio and different things like that. Um, and I want us to sing this song as truth, right? You don't sing this song as. I feel it always. Sometimes you have to be resolved enough when you quote scripture and you sing worship music, you do all this stuff as, as, as I will choose to speak this in that life-giving speech over my life and not continue to speak death. Because in this moment, when we really get in our minds what God is calling us to and what He really has in store for us, again, we say, yes, God, I know, Jesus, you can break these chains, but it's very different to be at a place to go here. Break mine first. Loosen these now. If you're going to get rid of some today, start here. And one of my prayers for you is, is that you have the desire, the desire and the hope and the confidence to see Jesus, who is a cultivator, he's a grower, he's a pruner, begin to go in and take that seed that is inside of you and water it. The ground may feel dry right now, but he can water it. And he can grow it. I'm not expecting you to believe that right now. I'm asking you to be open to believing it. So while we study this together, you'll be resourced better for who you are in Christ and who you can help others realize they are in Christ too. We don't change people. But the message of God's word we carry to them changes their life the way it changes ours. Would you bow your heads for just a second? God, thank you so much for the privilege to pray and to receive. Lord, we have been given greatly out of your word this morning. So now as we prepare to give even financially to you, I pray that you just take this and bless it, accept it out of our hearts for what you've put on our hearts. Help us, Lord, to just proclaim the goodness, God, of who you are, your great love for us, and help us to show that. Lord, for how any of us have 
difficulty in communicating, God, the truth of your word. Lord, thank you that we get to just trust that the Holy Spirit in our hearts takes your word and puts it in and plants it, waters it, grows it. So God, that we can, we can trust that the joy that we will experience is on its way. That we can push chaos off for a moment, God, we pray, to hear the underlying real truth of what is on its way. What is ahead for us. Help us to realize that it, it won't be maybe even what we thought. It'll look different. But it will be real and it will be from you. Lord, thank you for your loving embrace. God, we can't see your arms around us, but there are moments through the words of others, through hearing your word, through the Holy Spirit when we're alone. That God, we don't know how to describe it. We don't exactly know how it's possible. But it really does seem like we're getting a hug from you. And we are so grateful for that. So Lord, help us today to be obedient to your word, to what it calls us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.